You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. Hi, this is Adam Kubert, and you are listening to the Epic Marvel Podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Epic Marvel Podcast. I hope you all got a chance to listen to our Wolverine episode, The Dying Game, that was written by Larry Hama and drawn by Adam Kubert. I was very fortunate to be able to talk to both Larry and Adam about their work on this, and boy, was that a great time. When I was emailing Adam, he suggested that maybe we should do a conference call between uh, the three of us, and boy, am I glad he suggested that because what a great conversation that was. This could be one of the most fun, entertaining, and educational interviews that I've done just because of the rapport between the two of them. It was just so fantastic. Um, I'm happy that they were able to to take the time to talk with us and share their thoughts and share their insights um, and share their expertise with us. It's opportunities like this that don't come along every day, so we can be very grateful that they were so generous with their time. As always, I want to just give a little shout out to our Patreon site. If you go to patreon.com slash thunderquack, then you can pledge to uh, become a supporter and get some access to some other episodes, just general geek culture related um, interviews or podcast episodes on a variety of different subjects, not just Marvel Comics. You can follow the Epic Marvel Podcast on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. Uh, The Twitter handle is epicmarvelpod. And on Instagram, we're Epic Marvel Podcast. And if you want to send me an email, you can send it to epicmarvelpodcast at gmail.com. I'd love to hear your thoughts and comments, suggestions, anything you want to let me know about. I'm happy to receive those emails. And if it's about one of our upcoming episodes, then I'll even read your email uh, when we record. But I think that's long enough of an intro, don't you? I know that you're really eager to hear Larry Hama and Adam Kubert. So why don't we just get right to that interview with them? Hello, is this Adam? This is Curtis Findlay from the Epic Marvel Podcast. Yes, hi, Curtis. Hi. How are you? Good, thank you. Um, let me just get Larry Good. on the line here. Larry, are you there? Mm-hmm. Larry, Adam is here with us as well. Welcome, both of you. Hey, Larry, how you doing? Okay. I'm hanging in. Awesome. <laughs> Good. Glad to hear that. <laughs> Well, I really want to talk to you two about your time on Wolverine together. So we'll be focusing on Wolverine sort of issues 75 to 100 or thereabouts because that's when the two of you were working together. Okay. So the first question I have for for the two of you is, um, did you enjoy your time together working on this uh, this book? (laughs) (laughs) You can air all your grievances right now if you need to. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> no, I've, I've got no grievances at all. I I really enjoyed it. And it was it was just amazing to see what you know Adam would do with the with one of my plots. He always made it look better. Always made me look better than I was. <laughs> you're 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 too kind. You're too kind. Um, 
I would say that working Larry is is a little unusual as far as writers go because he is an artist's writer. Mm. He's an artist artist, but he's also an artist writer. He knows how to write for an artist because he is an artist. So that you know that made my job easy. You know, it, his plots left plenty of room for you know for for me to move, and it was easy to see the direction that he wanted me to go. So uh, it was it was great. It was great. I have no qualms. No, I mean it was. I, I didn't realize at the time, and I think it was good how how much of a apparently a historic run it was. You know, starting on issue seventy five with you know having the adamantium gone. I thought it was kind of lousy because I didn't get to draw them with adamantium. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I was thinking, shit. My first issue, he does, you know, he's got bone claws. What the heck? <laughs> <laughs> so wow. And so, were you thrilled to get on Wolverine? Were you a Wolverine fan before you got on the book, Adam? No. <laughs> you really, you you really want to know the truth? Sure. The truth is no. I I. I grew up on DC Comics. I was at Marvel for maybe, you know, like a year or two, you know, kind of feeling my way through. It, it was a, an interesting character. I liked the look of the character, I think. Well, I know Mark Silvestri did issues before me. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, before that, what's the artist's name that did Ghost Rider? I, his name just escapes me right now. But following those guys, you know, it, it was kind of intimidating. Um, but it was, uh, it, was, it was a great place to start. Wow. And for you, uh, Larry, wh- whose idea was it for this the adamantium to disappear? Because this was part of a, an X-wide book uh, or an event. And so what was your involvement in this whole Fatal Attraction storyline? Well, I objected to the bone clause from day one. Yeah. Uh, but I got outvoted. <laughs> uh, it was at a, every year they would have this X conference where, you know, we would go to some hotel or some you know one of these uh, conference places it's sort of like a hotel with with great catering you know and you got you got fed a lot and, um, <laughs> nice. we spend like three days uh, once a year at this weird confab figuring out what happened in, in the continuity of all the x books all of them so you know they would invite all the all the writers and editors and assistant editors would be there and and every every year, I would say, well, how come there's no artists here? <laughs> 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 and all the editors and, and writers who are just who are, you know, and all the editors are writers too. You know, I was the only one there who, you know, was uh, was, was was somebody who drew. You know, wow, really? and and. Um, they would say, "Well, no, we we don't need them." Oh, no. say, well, oh come on! <laughs> wow. <laughs> so I was always outvoted on that, you know. And then, um, then this big argument happened about like somebody had the idea to like have bone claws, you know. And, and I said, "Well, right off the bat, I said, well, wait a second, you know, with a bone to begin with, <laughs> you know what I mean." <laughs> I mean, I think wasn't the whole point that they implanted adamantium into him, right? Yeah, you know, <laughs> and uh, and if if they're really bone, how come you know when they were full of adamantium, they looked like knives? <laughs> you know, I had all these like 
how all these stupidly <laughs> logical questions, you know, because <laughs> my being able to to write convincingly has to do with my accepting the fantasy. Right, of course. You know, yeah. had, the, fa- the, the fantasy has to make sense to me. And uh, I wasn't buying it, you know. And uh, what, you know, what can I say? I got voted down, so I had to go along with it. And I, I made the best of it that I could. <laughs> you certainly did. Yeah. Um, so I tried to over- compensate in that 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 first issue by, you know, ramping up the, um, uh, the dramaturgy, you know. You know, at, at the end, to like turn, try to turn it into a tearjerker. So. Right. I I loved the way it ended. You know, and I loved. You know, it was high octane, high high octane, high octane, and then you know, two pages, three pages of him getting on his motorcycle and leaving. And I, you know, I, it's the contrast that I think really makes the story. You know, makes you care about what happens at the end. Definitely. So did you get to call any shots, uh, like having Wolverine take off and leave, leave the X-Men behind, and, um, or even going into his feral mode? Was that uh, something that you came up with as well? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm just the artist, like Larry said. <laughs> I just throw what I'm told. <laughs> Which is fine by me. You know, you give me a script, I draw it, I move on to the next one. I, you know, it's like, you know, no muss, no fuss, you know? <laughs> pretty, it's, it's pretty black no, and white. But, you know, but, you know, but, uh, but, you know lots, there's lots of stuff in, in those stories that, you know, that Adam took what I did and went, like, the extra mile, you know? I mean, uh, the issue with all the gatefolds. Oh, instance, yes. You know, I mean, right. I didn't script you know, those fold-outs into the story. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry, Larry, I didn't... (laughs) That was all Adam, but he also made it, like, impossible for that thing to be reprinted. Yeah. uh... (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. Uh, Is that why? And, you know, Larry, to this day, I have all the originals. Because I I just love that story and I bought them I bought the originals from Mark Farmer and from uh, Dan Green and I still have them. Uh-huh. Oh wow, nice! All right, <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> yeah. So uh, that yeah. I would love to ask you about those gatefolds. Now, do you have to like run that by an editor or something? Because I'm sure there are costs involved with doing gatefolds, and you oh, had yeah. two huge ones in that oh, in that yeah. one issue. Yeah, you can't do that no, without but... you know you can't do that on your own. <laughs> no, you have to prearrange that but you know uh, th- yeah. their attitude changed after you know I mean there, I mean bef- before Adam came on the book when Silvestri was doing it I designed a cover that had uh, die cuts there were like three big claw marks right against the uh, file the, folder or yeah, something. Th- there was yeah yeah there was an interior cover that you saw through the claw marks right right that was a great idea and, yeah. was boy, and boy did I get such resistance to that? You know, the the, the guy who was in charge of uh, production said, "Well, that would cost two and a half cents extra per copy for a die cut." You know, and I said, "But that's nothing compared to like how many copies of this you're going to sell." You know, yeah, because right. this is yeah. going to really, you know, it's going to be so striking a cover that you know people won't be able to resist it. There was still this, but you know. They bit the bullet, and they did it, and that opened the floodgates, I think, when they saw, gee, you know, if you give um, the reader some 
little thing extra like that. They re- really respond, you know. Right. It wasn't far after that that the hologram covers on the Fatal Attractions came out. Right. That could that must have cost a little bit more. Oh, those, those things more. are expensive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. But the market was changing, you know. Yeah, yeah, it was. Because that, that's kind of when Marvel was starting to have some financial troubles as well, right? Mm-hmm. So they were trying to yeah, do and, these little gimmicks. Uh, well, no, I mean, th- there was... This was sort of the nexus that when they were gravitating towards just uh, pleasuring uh, the collectors. Uh, that's mm-hmm. that's when all the variant covers and all that stuff came into being. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, right. It was just, you know, a way to, like, sell more physical copies of exactly the same thing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Hey, this sounds familiar. <laughs> Tell me a little bit more about Wolverine versus Sabretooth in issue 90, the one with all the gatefolds. Um, why did you want to push Wolverine to that point where he's willing to, you know, really maim Sabretooth? Well, I think there's just so much you can, you know, um, uh, tease the reader. You know, I mean, the animosity between the two characters is, is so huge, and, and the amount of you know really bad stuff that the Sabretooth did to Wall Street yeah. over the years. I mean, it sort of demanded some sort of um, payback. You know, I think, and it it, it 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 was just something I think readers really wanted to see mm-hmm. happen. I, we gave it to him. <laughs> nice. <It's stage. laughs> we well, let, let me let me stop you short a little bit. We almost gave it to him <clears throat> because I actually I don't know if you knew this, Larry, <laughs> but I redid the last page of that story. Oh, yeah. Okay, because I, I the, the the original last page. I thought maybe Bob just said, you know, this is we can't do this because the original last right. page it was clear it was clear that Wolverine killed. Sabretooth, and it was right before you know the, the Weapon X, you know, transition and, and such. But then I redid it to leave the you know to leave the, the the question a little more open. You know, did he kill him or didn't he kill him? Okay, you know? right. So. And then people would have to wait for four months because because of the Weapon X interruption. Right, <laughs> right. <laughs> um, Adam, tell me a little bit more about doing these gatefolds uh, and 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 just drawing this issue in general because you do some pretty um, uh, radical things, especially with the fight between um, Wolverine and Sabretooth mm-hmm. over the two pages that's like turned on its side, and there's like all of these non-conventional panels in there. Um, tell me a little mm-hmm. bit about drawing this issue. Well, first of all, you have to be careful what you wish for, <laughs> you know. Because when I asked for, it, I said this would, you know, you know, the idea is that this is a huge fight between Wolverine and Sabretooth. You know, it, it, it's a showdown, and let's do, you know, let's make the pages bigger, let's make the images bigger, let's, you know, let's make the whole thing bigger. Um, that was really the impetus behind, you know, the idea. As far as the the panel layouts and, you know, for me, it's the story that dictates how I tell it, and if it's a huge. You know, it, like there was a three-page gatefold of just Wolverine and Sabretooth slugging it out. Yes. I thought, you know what? This is this is really interesting. And this is really cool. I want to see how many panels I can get into this <laughs> gatefold spread. 
<laughs> which is why mm-hmm. I, yeah, which is why I did it. And it was a fun, it, it, I, I'm hoping that if it's fun for me to do, it's fun for a reader to read it. You know, that's really right. the, the impetus behind, you know, behind doing it along with, you know, but most importantly, it, it's the story because you'll see at the beginning that the panels are, are laid out fairly conventionally. And then when the drama starts increasing, you know, you can experiment a little bit. And that was, that's been my approach all along, actually. Wow. You know, I think yeah. it's also important to, to note that, you know, there, there's a transition that happened in visual storytelling in, in uh, fight sequences around this era that, you know, it's, it's a difference that I call like the difference between balletic, you know, like ballet, like fights choreographed and, and cause and effect fights. <laughs> I mean, right. before, you know, it'd been very common to just, you know, a writer would say, okay, uh, four pages of fight. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> Right, and the and the and the, right. and, and the right. artist would would have to draw like four pages of people punching each other. Yeah, you know, uh, horrible. Sometimes, really yeah, some, right, uh, as, and sometimes you know, like like Jack Kirby would like would, would take an instruction like that and do like a you know, especially in in, the, in those early Thors, he would do like a, a double page spread of people just you know hitting each other with swords. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and, but, you know, when movies change, because that's the way they used to do movies, you know. I mean, if John Wayne got into a fight in a bar, it would be uh, lots of fast cuts between, you know, like him throwing a punch and a guy getting hit and all these things going back and forth like that. And then Kung Fu movies came down the line. Okay. Yeah, American audiences were then shown a different way of, of visual storytelling, you know, where they would see full figures and they would see entire actions and, and reactions and like somebody would, you know, get hit and go catapulting backwards and they weren't hiding anything in the cuts. Th- yeah, there was no hiding anything in the cut. You could and you saw the action and you saw the reaction. You know, that was when when comic artists started trying to imitate that on the page, that was that was a big revolution, you know. And then we got what, what, what I term like cause and effect fights. If you look at like Batman Returns, yeah. you know, all the fights were, were shot in the old fashioned style. You know? Oh, okay. <laughs> where, right, where it's really dark, you know, and people are just like flailing at each other, you know, and <laughs> there was no continuity. Yeah, there was no continuity within the fights, you know, and then you get to like, you know, the Dark Knight stuff. And boy, you can actually follow the fights punch for punch, mm-hmm. and and I think I think that was a big difference. It's what we we always try to do within within the Wolverine stuff was to actually show how it was going down, right? And when Larry would write those fight sequences, he would actually write them. <laughs> you know, it wasn't fill in the blanks from page four to page ten. <laughs> you know, he would write it. And that's part of being an artist writer. Well, yeah, I mean, I never thought of myself as a writer because, you know, I had to, I had to draw comics for like 15 years before they let me write one. (laughs) (laughs) uh, I tend to think of the stories from the visual end first. I mean, I try to picture the whole story in my head as like a silent movie. 
And then when I sit down at the word processor, I'm just describing that movie in words. Right, yeah. If that makes any sense. Mm-hmm, yeah. For sure. Rather than, you know, and, and all the dialogue comes dead last. And, and there's only enough dialogue to fill in what needs to be there. I try to avoid any dialogue that actually, you know, describes the action. The action has to be there in the pictures. You can't have somebody explaining what the action is. <laughs> you know? Larry, Larry, tell, tell Curtis about, I think it was the Electra storyline where, where it was originally supposed to be all, um, it was supposed to be a silent issue. Oh right, yeah. I want I want to do the yeah. silent issue. Yeah, yeah. Uh, where uh, where where this sort of bone clawed animal instinct Wolverine, you know, meets up with Elektra. Yeah, right. And uh, and and Bob didn't didn't like it. <laughs> <laughs> so after, so this was after it was drawn. This was after it was yeah, drawn. <laughs> After it was drawn, oh, you man. know, <laughs> you know, like uh, the editor said, uh, I, "Well, you know, there, there really should be words, you know." And yeah, I said, "It's, it's too what? <laughs> it too fast to read. Like the reader would feel gypped because it didn't take, you know, didn't spend enough time on the com- on on <laughs> you know on the comic." Wow! Right. So I had so I had this sort of weird brainstorm. I said, "Well, you know, let's keep." the original story silent and let's overlay these captions that are first person captions of Electra telling a completely different story <laughs> yeah. that sort of matches the pictures in a, in a weird way okay and then have it all sort of like gel together at, at, at the end and I've had dozens of people come up to me at cons and say you know I really like that 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 story you know where Electra and uh, and and the gardener and uh, you know and, and all this and I, I'm saying yeah but you never really saw that you know and, and they're convinced that they saw that they saw the image <laughs> oh isn't that interesting wow <laughs> that's yeah, genius yeah. And they only was... it's, it's because you know you you're drawn into the story by the pictures and you're just following it along, and you're assuming, you know, that that you actually saw it. That's you know, fantastic. Which is pretty, pretty interesting. Yeah, yeah. It was such a such a brilliant way, and it, it was just an accident, I, I think, right, Larry? That you know, that that this story happened the way it did, but it was such right. a, a a great accident at the end. You know, such a unique reading experience. You know, I love that. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, I think I don't. I don't think anybody else ever did that. That that sort of overlay. Whole story of, 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 <laughs> yeah, have, have two stories in one. one. Story. <laughs> yeah, two stories in one. That's right. Yeah, basically it was. I mean, you could just read the text and have one story, and just look at the pictures and have another story. Right. That's well, like the perfect example of the comic book medium, right there. Um, the one can't exist. The I- issue really needs both parts to it the visual and the uh, and and the words otherwise you don't get the full mm-hmm. the full picture oh yeah that's with every story that's what this one in yeah. particular but that's with with every story it's yes. a, you know a combination of, of things absolutely yeah that's what makes it unique but, you know my, 
my thing from the beginning was that, you know, I mean, because I, because I don't really read comics myself. I just look at the pictures. I mean, if, if I can't tell. <laughs> well, I'm glad I'm not the only one. <laughs> if, I, if I can't tell what's going on by just looking at the pictures, I'm not really interested. You know, if right. it's just, especially, you know, comics where you, 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 you open it up and there's like six pages of people sitting in a room talking. You know, I mean, geez, I mean, I'm not going to read that. (laughs) That's like, look, I don't, I don't watch soap operas on TV for the same reason. Mm -hmm. You know, and there's certain, you know, uh, I remember going into Zen books and, and, and finding the, the, the first issue of Akira. Oh yeah. Just getting my mind blown, you know, and I, Mm. and I, I couldn't read it. But boy, there was no missing what was going on. And uh, the Mm -hmm. the same thing, you know, back in the 70s when I first saw, you know, the Lone Wolf and Cub uh, Ogami Ito uh, manga at at, at Zen Mm -hmm. Books, you know, and I I bought up a bunch of them. And then, you know, all all my friends went to Zen, you know, like Kaluda and Wrightson and, you know, all those guys, you know, went and bought up all copies of this stuff and, you know, sometimes, you know, we'd, we'd sit around and we'd be talking. I remember I was talking once with Kaluda, and we kind of had this whole discussion about this one story, you know, where uh, where the the kid, Daigoro, gets, you know, left alone in the baby cart. It's a whole story about him, you know? <laughs> and we were talking about this thing for like half an hour about this story, and then we realized, you know, neither of us can read Japanese, but you know, we knew the whole story and remembered it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And just by looking at, just by looking at the pictures and that's how strong the visual storytelling was and the acting. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, you just got it all, you know? Wow. I tell you, I, as an artist, I love a challenge and, you know, having, you know, you, you mentioned two characters that, uh, you know, just talking for an entire story, you know, in the same place. I would love to, to attempt to do something, you know, to draw a story like that, um, and and see what happens. You know, I think it'll be fun. <laughs> but Larry won't read it. That's all. <laughs> yeah, but Larry won't. Yeah, he'll look at it. Oh, this is a joke. <laughs> well, I've been. Have, I actually had to sort of do. I've been doing layouts for a couple of yes, for about three different books lately, and uh, sometimes I get you know, uh, uh, a script that is like three nine panel pages in a row of people, <laughs> of people talking. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I, I give it my best shot, but you know, when you, when, you know, when you got a nine panel page, that's, you know, you're, you're talking about, you know, adventures in tiny town, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's, <laughs> you know, with, with nine panel pages, it's it's you know when you when you when you you know trying to get like figures in there, that's that's really rough. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> I love that. When I when it's, I it's always doing, a challenge, but you have to you have to make it work. In it acting. is. That's the thing. Yeah. Yeah. When I when I was drawing the Hulk, um, do you remember the they had this line wide initiative called Flashback, Larry? Yes, the minus one issues. Right, the minus one issue, and the whole initiative was to go back to grid storytelling. 
don't no breaking borders, no overlapping panels, nothing like that, just grid storytelling. But I took it one step further and I brought it to a four panel grid. And and I think um Larry David was writing it. Um not Larry David. Yeah, um, Peter David. Peter. <laughs> Peter David. Larry David. Yeah. <laughs> one David. Well, well, Larry um, David's a different guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know. Larry David. <laughs> Peter David. Um but I, I shoehorned his story into a four panel grid. You know, two panels, you know, two tiers, two you know, two panels each. Right. And I learned so much from, uh, I learned so much about composition, trying to make, you know, an interesting composition work with, within the panel that I can, you know, even right. after that flashback initiative, I continued that because I was having, a, I was having so much fun trying to make it work, you know? Yeah, it's interesting when you put those, your own restrictions. When I sit down and draw a story myself, I actually draw the panel borders first. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And then fill Me it too. in because yeah. that's yep. you know that's the way because if you if you do it panel by panel you get you get, you, you, you it's impossible to get a decent page design yeah. you, you know you, you want to make space. the whole page <laughs> yeah you want to make the whole page be, have have a unified design and pleasing to right. the eye mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> I I tell the students you know you're not drawing five illustrations in a, in a page. Each page is one illustration that has to work that way. You know, in fact, I, right. I tell them, look, each book is is one. It's not one illustration, but it, it's it's one cohesive unit. You know, that has to work right. from front to back. You know, yeah, and you and you have to think of it in, in those terms. You know, I mean, you know, Wally mm-hmm. Wood when when he was doing a, a story, he would do each aspect of it all at once. I mean, you just do all the panel borders, you know, then, go, then like, you know, block everything in. And then when he was, when he would ink, he would go through the entire job and like do all the outlines. You know? Oh my God. Oh, wow. then, he'd go, then he'd go back and do all the feathering, you know, and then he'd go back and like, you know, and block in all the blacks. And, you know, I, when I asked him about that, he said, yeah, well, it's how you keep a job consistent because if you just right concentrating on one little section at a time, you know, you tend to like oh, over noodle one panel. Okay, yeah, that makes mm-hmm. sense, yeah. yeah. I didn't know he did that, but I do that exact thing. I'm, I'm working, I have a 20-page story in yeah. front of me. It's all bordered up. I, you know, I'm tightening it up. I'm, you know, doing all the outlines, laying in the blacks, you know, same thing. I didn't know he did that. Right. Every, I, there's a lot of people that do it that way. Because it, it, mm-hmm. it is the most efficient way to make it all consistent and it forces you to visualize you know the whole thing as as, as a single entity rather than right. disjointed uh, separate panels well yeah it's also easier to see your mistakes and to correct your your yeah, errors absolutely by the time you come back to page one you're like oh man this sucks I, and it's easy to make a correction <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> right okay wow there's a lot of thought that goes into this shit. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. Well, and it's fascinating being able to hear the thought process behind it because I think people, um, you know, you just see the finished product and don't realize, the, I guess, the kind of the, even the science behind it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Wow. Um, can you tell me a little bit about creating new characters and especially the ones that you did for your run here? And I'm thinking of characters like, um, like Dirt Nap, 
and Chimera, the Dark Riders. These are just some absolutely ridiculous characters. <laughs> Can you tell me about <laughs> about um, both the design aspect and and just thinking up the, the the concept of them? A lot of it has to do with deadlines. Sure. Well, Larry or whatever writer you know usually gives a, a brief description, or this is at least my experience. Yeah. And you know, I'm, I design it on the page because I just don't have the time to, to work it out. It could be this way, it could be this way, because we're under such time constraints to get the thing done. I want to do my, my drawing, uh, you know, I want to make the drawing I, I put down work, you know, right off, you know. So right. uh, that, that's, that's the way that's I That's how I do it. You know, I, I do it right on the page uh, because you know what? I, I found that if, if I if I sit and try to design a character on a separate piece of paper and then I try to transfer it to a page, you know, there's something unorganic about it, you know. But if you're introducing a character, it's like, you know, taking up like a, a big, pan, uh, you know, like a half a page panel or something and you got this big space to do it, you know, and you can do it in a dynamic way. Boy, that influences how you design the character. You know, mm-hmm. okay. You know, rather than you know, because if if you're doing it on a separate piece of paper, you, you tend to draw a guy just standing there. You know, right, <laughs> right, yeah, but, right, <laughs> and yeah. But if if you're doing it on the page, you have to be drawing him in character. You know, mm-hmm. doing uh, 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 you know an action or, or expressing something, and and that's a better way to capture what what the character is right there. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I never having, thought of it that Having way, the but... character jump right into the action, you know. Right. Mm-hmm. One of the examples I have is um, the character of Chimera, and she's like talking yeah. to her hand yeah. uh, as if it's like a, right. a, a, an actual entity. Um, that's something that you wouldn't get if you were just drawing on the on the paper. But you got so much emotion through her her face and her action, her acting, because that's our first mm-hmm. time meeting her there. Right. Well, Larry wrote it that way, and you know, he he came up with it, and I I just put a visual to it. Um, you know, I remember that crazy character Dirt Nap. I think Larry said to put a <laughs> smiley face on his shirt. And I did. You know, <laughs> so I don't know that these were successful characters, but you know, they were new. I mean, we really, you know, if you think about it, we create new characters every day. You yeah. know, our our take on a particular oh, yeah. character is. Is, is our creation. You know, even though it's, it's modeled after something that's already existing, we're going to draw it the way we want to draw it within the parameters of the, you know, of the character itself. So, we, you know, every day we're doing it. Wow. Yeah, and, you know, I think some of these guys, uh, Albert and LCD, are still around. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They pop up every once in a while. I didn't design those. I think those those were already done. That was the those Mark were, Silvestri Those were Silvestri, days. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Did Sylvester yeah. design those? Okay. I think, yeah, yeah. I didn't. Larry, you made the decision to destroy the princess bar and uh, a bunch of the, the supporting <laughs> cast over there in Madripoor. <laughs> can, you, why, uh, can you tell me a little bit about that there? Well, it was because I, uh, the character just seemed to have gotten bogged down in Madripoor, you know, and uh, I just wanted to, like, you know, cut them loose from there. And, um, you know, have them be in, you know, America and Canada. 
Nice. Yeah, because he kept on going back. Yeah. Well, there's not much more to say than that, I guess. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, I'm I'm just thinking, I can't believe we, I mean, how long ago did we do this? It doesn't seem like 25 years ago. But yeah. I can't yeah. believe we, I, I, I can't believe I remember all this stuff so, as clearly as I do. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, yeah. You know, <laughs> the last time we spoke, Larry, you were I was asking you questions about Iron Fist, which was in the 70s, and uh, you didn't have as much to say about those ones you didn't remember. <laughs> well, yeah, it's hard. To, well, I, I mean, take it back. Know, it was like, <laughs> that, was, that was Iron Fist was like 40 years ago. Yeah, it was. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so we're building up to issue number 100, and you have, I think everybody was expecting Wolverine to get his adamantium back, especially since you were building up this whole cyber plot, the subplot that was going on behind the scenes, and then you don't give it back to him. Uh, was that, why, why did you make that decision? Um, I don't think I made the decision. Okay. You know, the, you know I'm just... Uh, I'm just following orders, you know. Oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, you know, every month I would say, hey, when can we have the adamantium back? <laughs> <laughs> that was funny. Wow. Because, <laughs> yeah, that didn't... I think he stayed without adamantium for something like four years. It was a surprisingly long time. Well after you yeah, left the yeah. book. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the Age of Apocalypse for a little bit. I know that this uh, this was a line-wide um, event as well, so I'm assuming that this was sort of a story that was also kind of thrust upon you. The overlying premise was thrust on us, and we had to like sort of follow this whatever, but we were just sort of winging it by ourselves. <laughs> okay, so you got to determine what was happening to Wolverine in these four issues? We started out at point A, and then, you know, at, at, by the end of uh, the, the fourth issue of each segment, we had to be at point B. Mm-hmm. And then you had to sort of fill in everything else in between it, you know. So we knew where it started and you knew where it ended. And you just had to, like, you know, make sure that everybody got to, to that point with, with yeah. all their limbs intact. Yeah. Um, except, Wolver- except for Wolverine. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, I, I loved this because we got an actual glimpse of a relationship between he and Jean Grey, which is something that I think that uh, um, fans have been wondering, like kind of what would happen if they got actually did get together. So it was nice to see that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the little there's a little bit in there where, in part of the Human High Council, Mariko is part of that group. And they, they have a conversation, but there's like no romantic uh, hints of any sort of romantic involvement at all. Or, uh, and I thought that was an interesting choice to make, too, considering their past. Well, it's a, it's a, it's, it's a different reality. Mm-hmm. But, you know, like my, my favorite sequence in, in, the whole, in that whole arc was um, the scene with Wolverine and Jean Grey in the airplane taking off. Oh, yeah. I, I, I just, mm-hmm. just love that. Yeah, she's about to take off, and she... yeah, the visual storytelling and the acting I thought were just great. They were, yeah, it was really nice. I thought the coloring was great because that's that's actually when the computer coloring kind of uh, you know started out, and I think Steve Buscelato colored that, 
And I was, you know, that that's that impressed me. You know, clouds and you know, actual rendering. You know, you know, it wasn't overdone. That that that, you know, that time of day, you know, late late day, late afternoon. Right. You, know, you really got right. you really oh. got that 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 feeling. You know, and it was like really terrific. Mm-hmm. Yep. How did the coloring affect the way you drew stuff? Because uh, even in this in this Wolverine, from starting from number seventy five to one hundred, the coloring, yeah, like you said, does a a complete change um, going into this full mm-hmm. kind of digital separations and such. Does that affect your artwork? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. My, my, my dad taught me uh, to try to make the black and white color proof. And there was no such thing once, you know, the, the digital coloring started happening. You couldn't possibly make it color proof. So, you know, you had to, you know, it, you were really at, at, at the behest of the colorist. You'd look, you know, you either leave stuff uh, open for color or you render the hell out of it. Either way, you're, you're taking a chance. Hopefully you work with, you know, with someone who knows how to draw because it's really not just about, you know, laying a color on top of a color next to a color. You know, it, it's part of the storytelling and it's a, a critical part of it. Mm-hmm. And the computer color is a, is a whole new was a whole new ball game. Yeah, you know the inking and and the art itself had to morph to take advantage of uh, rendered color. You know because right. all techniques for inking prior to to Photoshop color were geared to like making that hand separated color process look good. You know, okay, uh, which meant that you had you had to have a lot more blacks. You had to have like you know. 25 to 30 percent of the page had to be black so you could get good color popping you know Mm -hmm. and uh you know with computer color you can't have that it's all it's all just outlines (laughs) because if you have if you do if you do like a wallywood double lighting effect on a face with computer color it just looks like somebody's like smeared shoe polish on their face (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know oh wow It, it does it doesn't work you know, an entire, you know, really sort of beloved inking style became obsolete overnight. Wow. How would the inkers adapt to uh, to this change? It wasn't so much the inkers, but the pencilers had to adapt because, the you know, the inkers are just interpreting the pencils. But right. they're not, you know, they're not actually adding as much as my dad would add. <laughs> <laughs> you know, or change. Oh, yeah. You know that's that's not that's not what we wanted. Okay. Um, but, you know, so it's really it's, <laughs> it's funny because if my dad, like I don't know, Larry, and you know he his mantra was once it's on my table, it's now my job. Get out of here. <laughs> you know, exactly. <laughs> And that was fine, you know, that was fine because whatever he did looked great. And okay, go ahead, I don't care if it doesn't look like me anymore, that's fine. (laughs) If it looks like you, I'm happy. (laughs) You know, that makes me happy. Well, you know, I I, I had a a John Severin, Gunner and Sarge page, you know, where Uh there was one one panel in the middle of the page that was like completely drawn by your dad. And he did. Yeah, he, he didn't. He didn't try to make it look like John Severin. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you know, there's these three Severin yeah. panels in a row, and then all of a sudden, there's this Joe yeah. Hubert dog. <laughs> yeah, it was just it was just the dog. It was just Pooch. That's funny. And then I noticed that there were cut lines on on the panel. When I flipped the page over, 
there was the actual original John Severin drawing was on the other side. What Joe would do was take a razor blade and just cut out the panel and flip it. And flip it. <laughs> <laughs> right. And redraw it same, on the I think he was like, he, he, paper. Paper. He, would, he would draw on, you know, his, his father was a butcher. He would draw on the brown paper. You know, this was conserving paper. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Oh, yeah. But, you know, and, but the thing is, you know, his, his inking style was so strong that, you know, wh- wh- whoever, you know, whatever was underneath it, you know, as soon as, as soon as Joe inked it, it looked like Joe. Right. You know? Yeah. Um, yep. You know, Wally Wood was the same way. Neil Adams is the same. You know, once, you know, it doesn't matter who's penciling it. You know, once, once these guys inked it, you know, it, it mm-hmm. looked like them. As, as, uh, as a quick aside. I'm going to give you a quick aside, and then we can move back to Wolverine. But <laughs> but I wrote um, Wednesday's comic, Sergeant Rock story, for my dad to draw. And uh-huh. after we did that, I, I swore I would never write for my dad again. <laughs> because, because, like, he would change everything. Like, I, like I, yeah. I had characters in there that, you know, new characters I wanted to put... He took them out, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and then, what are you doing? He says, "It's my story now." I said, "Whatever, okay." <laughs> you know. <laughs> well, you know, he was he was really old school, and uh, yeah. you know, when yeah. when when when, uh, when your brother Andy first came to to Marvel to do some stuff for me, I think he, I gave him some of his first work at Marvel. And, right, uh, right. I, I I got a call from your dad. You know what he said? Look, <laughs> no. you know, my... <laughs> I didn't hear this one. <laughs> I, he said, I hear my kids coming home and do some work for you. And I said, yeah. And he said, look, I don't want you to, like, you know, give him a break just because he's my kid, you know. Uh, in, fact, in fact, you know, in fact, I want you to lead on him really hard. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I didn't know he did that. That's great. And you did, from what I remember. Yeah. He said he learned the most from, from that first job from you. He learned a lot from you on that. Wow. Well, I made him redraw <laughs> half of it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know, boy. But the thing is, you know, but the thing is, he he learns fast. You know, he's a... Yeah, yeah. He's, 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 he's really fast on, on the uptake. Yeah. Uh, that's the thing, you know. Like when I when Michael Golden first showed up at uh, at DC, you know, all the other editors looked at his stuff and said, "Oh, it's too cartoony, and you know, the heads are too big, and they didn't like this and they didn't like that." And I said, "Yeah, but you don't, you don't you see how cool this is, <laughs> 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 and, right?" <laughs> uh, they said, "Yeah, but it needs to be fixed up." So I said, "Look, I'll get Russ Heath Aiken and." Russ, he mm-hmm. made his first Mr. Miracle job, and Golden took that job wow. home, and I think he studied studied every square inch of what Russ did. I bet. And, um, I, think, I didn't know that. That's incredible. Wow, yeah. Well, that, that's, that's the thing. It's, just, it's like if you've got a penciler with a lot of potential, you, you, you sort of owe it to them to get, get the best inker you can on them. You know? mm-hmm. And there's a lot of editors who, who think, well, if i got a weak penciler, I'll put my my best inker on, you know, on the weak pencils and that'll like make it all, you know, even it out. 
all you're doing then mm -hmm. is like you're forcing everything into mediocrity, <laughs> right? <laughs> if you think about it, right? I mean, mm -hmm. if you, if you got somebody really good, put somebody really good on them. You know, that was my thinking. Right? Maybe that's yeah. I agree. The, on PC and elitist, but that's how I think. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I agree. I agree. Well, looking back at your time on Wolverine here, what are the highlights for you? Well, uh, for me, sure. I just loved doing the, the Weapon X. Uh, I mean, it was just, I could just go over the top. There was enough room there to um, let, let the imagination run wild. Mm -hmm. It was very, it was very free. I had a lot of fun doing that one. Uh, how about for you, Adam? Uh, it, it would have to be issue ninety. No surprise there. I was really proud of of how that came out. Actually, the, the scans were horrible, <laughs> but because that was Mark Farmer and Dan Green inks, and those guys ink sharper than a pin, and the scans were were pretty bad. But even even though they didn't print well. You know, it, it seemed to still have been well-received. But I, I really I enjoyed that issue the most. Um, and as far as Larry's stories go, you know, each story was, was a cohesive story. It wasn't just an event. It wasn't just, you know, a happenstance. There was a beginning, middle, and an end, which led into the next issue. And I didn't realize how refreshing that was <laughs> until I've been in the business for a long time you know that, that's uh you know that was a really special time you know for me mm -hmm. it was a special time for me as well because seeing you know what you trying to visualize in, in in words like made visual better than than you you saw it in your head mm, yeah it's mm -hmm. pretty exhilarating and adam always delivered on that you know, and uh, there's there's very, there's very few people that I work with that that I that I get that rush from. Uh, I always got it from Adam. Always got it from uh, Michael Golden. Got it from Ron Wagner and, uh, and and a bunch of others. But you know, there, there's some people. There's some people that could draw really wonderfully, but they they can't tell a story or they can't do the acting. It's an odd combination of skills that's unique to this business. Right. And that's really what's fun about it is because each, you know, each time I get a script, it's uh, it's like a puzzle. How am I going to solve this? How am I going to figure out that? Mm. You know, because the story's there. All I have to do is tell it, but it's, it's really a lot of fun. And when you work with someone that understands and writes well and is creative and, and you know, and the medium is such that there has to be drama because it's, you know, it has to be action. There has to be characterization, you know, and putting all these elements together into, you know, a 20 page uh, storyline. That's, that's a, uh, that's a real craft. Yeah. yeah it's, it's a craft that's, <laughs> that, that's un, it's sort of unrelated to everything else too. It's like, you know, there's a lot of TV and movie writers want to like come and write comics and, you know, half of them fall flat on their faces because it, it's a really different discipline. Mm -hmm. you, know, you know, writing a story that's broken up into, into panels because they, they don't quite understand that the, the magic in comic book storytelling is making the reader imagine what's between the panels. Mm, yeah. That's all, there is, that's, that's all there is to it. And if you can't right. make them 
do that that magical jump and that leap, then you've got no storytelling. Mm-hmm. And and also making the readers feel that those characters are not standing still, you know that they're right. their mouths are moving and they're talking and you know you want to see where they're going you know where they're going next yeah and, there's no and there's what really they're no thinking medium like that yeah right and you can see what they're thinking <laughs> yeah you have to see <laughs> what they're thinking it, it you know right. that's that's why I never use I never use thought balloons. Mm-hmm. It had to be in the art. I always, I was adamant about that. Wow, nice. Yep. Yeah. Well, I want to give you the opportunity to plug or promote anything new that you guys are working on. Um, do you have anything that you want to share with us? Uh, I'm just <laughs> continuing my. I got. I have a hectic deadline. I'm. I'm working on Peter Parker's Spectacular Spider-Man. Nice. So I'm just just trying to get that done. <laughs> I'm currently laying out another issue of Damage for DC. I've been laying out Deathstroke and, and Michael Cray, and I'm writing, uh, still writing G.I. Joe. I'm up to issue 255. Wow. And um, I'm starting, uh, starting a new arc, plus I'm doing um, a, a short miniseries uh, starring uh, the, new, the new Snake Eyes, Dawn Moreno. And um, yeah, working on I'm working on a project with Guy Dorian. I'm working on two different books with him for a new company. What else? Wow, you're a busy guy. <laughs> yeah, I'm working on a, a new Kickstarter movie. I did a Kickstarter movie two oh. years ago with Mark Chen uh, called Ghost Story Zero, and last year we got we finally got Japanese distribution on it, and uh, so we're charging ahead and doing another one. And, wow, that's uh, great. Yeah, so I got. I got more stuff on my board than than I got time to do. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, you both are extremely busy, and I thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us on the show today. This is just uh, what a what a great conversation this was. I had a lot of fun. It was great laughing with both of you. <laughs> it was a really good time. It was great. Well, well you know, Adam, we we gotta we gotta do a project together again sometimes. I I, think that would, I agree. Uh, it would I agree. Be there'd be some pretty good sales potential there. <laughs> I think so. I agree. <laughs> I'll pick it up for sure. Okay, All right. Bye. Great talking with you, Larry and, and Curtis. Hey, same here.